Hey everybody, welcome to the Simplicity and Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Josh McAllister. My hope in starting this podcast is to learn more about the people involved, the people who are working every single day to help teams be successful in the United States. Uh, This ranges from the youth level to the collegiate level to the professional level on both the men's and women's side of the sport. I, I hope to learn more about how these people deal with the challenges, how they deal with the failures that they might have in their careers, but also how they take the successes in stride. In addition, I'd I'd love to learn more about the people that helped influence the professionals in our country and how they've influenced them, what made them grow in the ways that they've they've achieved it so far in their careers. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. This is Josh, your host. Uh, Today, I have somebody who's He's almost worked everywhere, it seems like. He's worked all over the, the world at club level, at national team level, uh, in Italy, in Germany, uh, he's in the United States. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to, to let him share his experiences. Um, our guest is Darcy Norman. Uh, he's originally from Grand Prairie, Alberta, went to Washington State for his undergrad, University of Washington for his graduate school. And again, he's worked at Exos, Bayern Munich, the German national team, where he won a World Cup. Roma, the U.S. Men's National Team, and Kitman Labs. Uh, currently, Darcy's role is the Director of Performance Science at Kitman Labs, while also serving as a performance coach for the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, without further ado, uh, I'll welcome Darcy to the show. Darcy, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on. No, of course, of course. And I, I, we talked about it pre, pre-recording, but I wanted to do your, your re- uh, resume justice without uh, being too quick, but you've, you've definitely been to good places. Yeah, it's been a great journey. I think, uh, uh, you know, as a kid, I would have never set up people sometimes ask me like, hey, how did you get to doing what you're doing? Or I want to do what you're doing. And by no means did I have a game plan on how to go through these, these steps uh, of where I've had the opportunity been able to work. Um, It's just one thing has kind of led to another to another and I've uh, been very fortunate to have the opportunities that I have uh, had and work with the people that I've had the opportunity to. So I'm super thankful. Well, just to piggyback a little bit off of just being able to work all over the place, because a common thread we talk about a lot in the show is the the power of knowing more than one language, um, especially working as a, a coach, being able to communicate with players of different backgrounds and different cultures. Um, is that something you feel has benefited you or have you just tried your best just to speak in football language? Um, how does that work? Yeah. Uh, the, so before Germany, I didn't speak German before Italy. I didn't speak Italian. Um, I probably like, man, I'm not terribly good at neither of them. I can kind of get by, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, because most of the places people want to speak English. Um, so they're trying to practice their English and, they get frustrated with your German or Italian. They just like speak English. It's easier. Um, and so, you know, it, it is useful. And now, you know, when you look back at it, knowing multiple languages is worth its weight in gold. Um, you know, I know after living abroad and you see these kids or teams uh, or coaches that speak, you know, four, five, six languages on the, on the flip of a hat. Um, it is super impressive. And the ability to, if you do speak those languages, to be able to bring a group together, you know, because when you're in a European team, at least like at Rome, I think we had 14 different 
kind of countries represented, which is 14 languages or variations. And so if you can speak a lot of those languages, you're the kind of the glue that's holding the team together um, from a communication and just interaction standpoint. So um, I definitely wish I would have taken more time than I, than I did to learn the languages. And um, language, unfortunately, is not something that's come easy to me. Um, even English. So the, uh, yeah, having it is, is definitely worth its weight in gold. Well, I, I mentioned before you're, you're working with the men's national team and you're also working for Kitman Labs. Can you, can you talk just a little bit about you know, what you're doing right now? Yeah, totally. Um, so my Kitman Labs role is director of performance science. Um, so working with uh, our various clients and the executive groups within those organizations to help kind of understand what their kind of mission, vision, values, or what they're trying to accomplish as an organization, as a club. And then we turn around and take our technology and, and implement that within their, um, within their organization. And so trying to find, you know, easier tools to collect data and information. Um, you know, we have a full electronic medical record suite that goes in along with that athlete management system and then doing analytics and trying to answer day-to-day -day kind of applied questions um, for teams of what they're trying to get from their data. So also working with our uh, data science team and running kind of applied uh, research uh, with the data that the teams are collecting to answer those questions. So that's the Kitman side of the fence. And then on the uh, US national team side, I joined those guys in 2019 when Greg took over as head coach and Funny enough, small world, we met um, when we were both in Germany. I, I was working for Bayern. He's playing for 1860 as a player. Um, and so our, our wives actually met each other first with our kids in the same daycare. And so Greg and I stayed in touch. And, and then when he had the opportunity to uh, take the men's role, asked if I was interested in joining. And so there um, uh, on the performance team, I'm one of the performance coaches that look after all the um, gym training supports Steve, our head of performance, with the programming on field execution. Um, you know, also with Jordan Webb on the sports science side, and uh, you know, we work as a as a great uh, unit with the medical side with Ron and Kenny and and team there. So it's a really good group, um, really trying to do some amazing things and kind of push the needle of of American football. Well, I I spoke to Andy Gard a few weeks back, and I know you know Andy well. We talked about how he manages his players when they're coming and going so often going to different back to their clubs and back in with the national teams. How have you found success in that role because that, that has to be challenging you know players yeah. disappear for long stretches all over the world. And then they come right back into your setup sometimes for a week at a time sometimes longer. How have you yeah, it's really around communication, so we have this we started this kind of player first program. And, you know, we kind of took the onus as a performance team, medical and the performance guys, um, to kind of take that first step with the teams to share all the things that we're doing in the national team with the clubs. So when they go back to the club, um, then they get all their GPS data, wellness data, um, anything we've done with them in the national team, they get all the information and now they get it in real time. So they can go, we have a portal that we've created um, that, um, that uh, the team can log on at any given moment while we're in camp and get the data uh, for that athlete of theirs to see how they're doing, what they're doing and so forth. And then as a result, they've been really good to, to 
um, support us in getting us data when players come into camp. And so, you know, kind of our biggest goal is we just have the player health and well-being at the heart of everything we do. And we're totally transparent, wide open. Um, if they have better ideas, suggestions, ways of doing things of how we're operating with their athletes, then we're more than uh, open to take it on board and, and, um, and move it forward. So it's really been um, this open, transparent line of communication that we've worked hard to establish with all the clubs, the teams, um, and then the athletes themselves to, to, because at the end of the day, it's all about them performing at their best, whether it's with the club and if they're doing it well with the club, then they have the opportunity to do it, uh, you know, with the country. And, um, and so that's, that's how we're trying to, to do it. And the feedback from the clubs has been fantastic and, and their support and sharing of information has also been, been great. Well, what do you do if the club isn't as responsive or hasn't shared the information? Not because they won't have anything against you. Maybe they're, they get caught up in their jobs and they're, not, they're yep. not sending it to you. What do you do when you're kind of flying blind, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always kind of the best case scenario. We have enough data now that we've captured on the players that we can kind of guesstimate within a pretty good amount of what somebody is going to do for workload in a position. Then it's really just trying to understand what they've done coming into camp. So we scrape a lot of data from the internet with transfer mark and game minutes and all that kind of stuff, consistency of play, um, different leagues, you know, minutes in leagues that they've been playing in. Um, and so we're just trying to garner as much information so we can make the best educated decision moving forward. And then as far as, you know, if a club isn't as open to share, that is, you know, trying to empathize with where they're at as to why. So, you know, you mentioned maybe they're a one, one person show at a club. They don't have the technology support that maybe some of these bigger clubs have or the staffs that they have. And so then trying to say, hey, how can we support you? Um, you know, is there ways, is there a technology we can help that, you know, we'll, we can track the player with while they're with you. So that helps us as well as you. So we just try and find, you know, um, find kind of a point where we can start to work together and move forward. And it is the reality where some clubs aren't as resourced as others. They don't have the technology. They don't maybe have the, the, um, the experience or background with certain bits of technology that we're trying to use. And, so, you know, that's up to us to kind of lead, lead the charge and support, you know, where we can um, for the betterment of the, the particular player. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we've talked about your path a little bit and how it's kind of taking you all over. And a common thread in this podcast is these paths are not linear. It's not you start here and then you go here and then job's done and there you go. It's up and down and around and it's meeting different people, growing, learning through, through your journey and on your path. I'm sure there've been many obstacles. There always is for everybody and challenges yeah. that we have to react to. Can you think of uh, one or two examples off the top of your head and how you dealt with it and how you move forward? I think this is valuable for people to hear. Yeah, um, gosh, there's, I mean, there's always obstacles. One, I like to, to read one book that jumps out at me is just The Obstacle is the Way. Um, it's a book that I, I got onto when I was at Rome, cause that was probably one of the hardest jobs that I've ever, ever had. And I'll kind of maybe get to that, but probably some of the first things was just balancing some of these jobs with my family. Um, you know, like probably one of the bigger challenges when I was first working at Exos 
Um, we were living in Phoenix. My wife wasn't really a fan of Phoenix. It wasn't my favorite place, but the work was awesome. What we were doing was awesome. So I was happy to stay, but my wife wanted to leave. And so that was a point of contention between us and our relationship, two little kids and trying to figure that out. And so, um, you know, that's when we made the move from Phoenix up to, to the mountains here in Lake Tahoe, where I was just like, okay, if, you know, I got to see if I can make this work and, and figure it out. And so that was probably a really big challenging moment. Another one uh, on the back end of that was when I was at Byron, same thing. Um, it came time to renewing contracts and uh, my wife wanted to go back to the States. Um, I was happy to stay at Byron um, and keep working, but, you know, happy wife, happy life. And, and we ended up coming back to the States, but, you know, the conversations that ensued were, were very challenging and it really, um, it was good after the fact, because as new challenges came up, I knew that was the first thing that I had to kind of get my family on board. So when it came to Rome, um, you know, they were fully bought into the process and what we were doing, why we were doing it, the commitment it was going to take, um, you know, the fact that we were going to be living in a foreign country where we didn't know the language and, and um, you know, it was all going to be new and challenging. And so they had to get full, full sign off and, and we could reflect on those previous experiences. So we didn't run into the same, same kind of issues. Um, and then I'd probably say Rome, you know, it's just, a, it was a challenging environment and um, they have eight, eight talk radio shows, 24 hour talk radio shows, just talking about Roma. Um, and so the, um, you know, they're just constantly looking for information and creating stories and, and, and those things. And so trying not to pay attention to what's in the media or in the paper. Um, and then, you know, that was my first job as a, as a head of performance across a whole club from the first team all the way down. And so there was a ton of dynamics. There was a lot to do for work. It was a, a club that we went through in my three years there, had three head coaches, um, went through three or four big kind of facility renovation upgrades, um, you know, and then trying to obviously move the team uh, and, and do better each year. And so um, it was a 24 seven, seven days a week, uh, you know, all year round job. So it was, it was pretty stressful. And I learned a lot about meditation and the usefulness of that. Um, the book, The Obstacle is Away, it, it really kind of helped me uh, change how I saw problems and challenges. And so that was great. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it just really made me look at things differently that, you know, kind of opened my eyes to to new ways of doing stuff and realizing that there is no one right way. Um, you know, I think in my career, I've had, I've worked with 11 different head coaches over a 12 or 13 year span. Um, and, and there is no one way. Um, there's certainly, you know, some that might be better, um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it and you just gotta be uh, open and appreciative of, of what, you know, where people are coming from what they're trying to do based on the experience that they've done it and seen work and, and you know, then figure out where you can kind of add your touch in there to keep being a part of the solution and not, not a problem. I like that you mentioned an, an off the field challenge, obviously just with where you were located and making sure your family is happy. And, but then you also talked about an on the field challenge because 
they really can't be separated. Uh, one, one bleeds into the other. If, if, if your home life is not where it needs to be, it's going to affect you. You're, you're not going to be able to perform or be the performance coach or whatever your role is that you can. And then vice versa, if the, the work stuff is rough, it's going to affect you at home. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. It was really, that's where the meditation piece for me um, came in. The I would sometimes uh, on my drive home, I'd sit in the parking lot and meditate for five minutes just before I went up into the apartment, you know, just to kind of try and change my channel in my head. And then same thing, you know, there was days going into work where you kind of sit in the parking lot and you just get yourself amped up and you'd be like, all right, let's go, let's do this. And then you try and, you know, tackle it the best you can and, and then, you know, get a good night's sleep, try and do it all over the next day and one step at a time. Yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of talk about success or high performance, wherever you want to kind of call it as an, as an individual, you know, as a high performance manager or as a performance coach, can you be successful irregardless of what the team does, or is that always going to be synonymous in your experience? Yeah, I, I mean, it's cert, I would say it's a bonus if the team is successful. Um, but I learned really fast that if your definition of success is on wins and losses or trophies, you're going to have a rough, you're going to have a rough life. Um, because, you know, when you look at just Syria, for example, you got 20 teams in the first league, only one team wins the trophy. So like what happens when you're middle of the table? What is success there? So I think it's really, for me, it was really, um, you know, having a clear idea of what my values are, how I wanted to work, how I wanted to be, you know, people to see me um, you, from a value perspective, and then staying true to those values. And if I could do that and help, you know, the coaches that I'm working with or the athletes that I'm working with, um, you know, move the needle on things, then that was, I was successful. And if, you know, we could win a trophy in the midst of it, then that's a bonus. But I think that's where a lot of people go wrong, goes wrong is that they, they kind of set, you know, they set this site on, oh, it, it's all about winning trophies, which at the end of the day, it is 100%. But you have to have some other measure of success, because not, not everybody gets to win the trophy. You know, when you got a league of 20 teams or 32 teams, um, you know, you got to figure out other ways to judge your success and, and move the needle. And so um, I think that's critical for, for keeping things moving forward. Well, I, 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 like, I like how you kind of coined your answer because I'm in the middle of a book called The Passion Paradox. I don't know if you've read it. Oh, not yet. They, they talk about that and they said, well, yeah, if you, if you measure your success in results, winning games or winning trophies, you're going to be fulfilled for a short period, but you're probably going to go right back to where you were because you're going to be looking for the next thing to fill that, that result oriented gap. Yeah. And I, I probably like probably one of the biggest experiences in my life um, was being on the bus uh, with the German national team winning the world cup. And I think for point, you know, we won the world cup in Brazil, big party. It was great. Get on a plane, fly back to uh, Berlin another big party, you're touring around through the city, unbelievable, you get to the Brandenburg Gate, big celebration, dancing, you know, music, all that kind of stuff. And then literally, you turn around, walk through the backside of the Brandenburg Gate, everybody gets into cars, and then it's, it's done, it's gone, it's over. 
and that's it. And I came back to Tahoe, uh, you know, I was back here, whatever, two or three days later and uh, walked into a coffee shop and um, ran into somebody I hadn't seen in a while. And they're like, hey, Dars, what have you been up to? I haven't seen you in a while. And it was like a real, like somebody just, you know, hit me with a, a reality bat. And it's only important to the people it's important to. And it's not important to the people it's not important to. And so it was one of those moments where A, I could see how people like the energy that that provided was unbelievable and how you could get kind of addicted to that. Uh, it totally could see that. But at the same time, it was a, it was a real dose of reality um, because the, the moment is so fleeting that you better love the process um, because that, that moment is only going to be there for a short bit and then it's gone and you may never, it may never happen again, you know? And so, um, so there's a few things that have happened to me in time through working in sports that have kind of, uh, gave me that sense of reality. Mm -hmm. And how has your, how has your idea of success changed as your career has gone along from start to now, or has it stayed the same? Have you always been that level headed and I guess, uh, insightful? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been, uh, if I've stayed that level-headed, uh, probably just over time got a little more level-headed. Um, the, I think it was, you know, when you first got into sports as a young person, you know, you're kind of wrapped up and that is like when people come to a team, they're like, what's your goals? Win trophies, mm -hmm. um, you know, to win everything. But then I was like, man, this is going to be a tough road if like it's always winning trophies and you never win a trophy. And so then it was more, okay, what are the things that are keeping me motivated, keeping me going forward that is independent, certainly working towards that trophy, um, but it's not contingent on that trophy. And so that's where is it, you know, are we getting players better? Are we, are we trying to move the needle for those guys, for the teams, for the clubs, for the coaches that we're supporting, um, you know, and it's just trying to be a, a positive contributor to the teams that, um, I've had the opportunity to work on. And is that definition of success measurable? Is there a way to know? Yeah. Okay. At the end of the year, I did a good job or the team did a good job. Is there a way of looking back on actual information or is it more of a, just a daily conversation or the thought process? Like, how do you, how do you see that? Yeah, I think um, you can certainly measure it by just asking your peers, like, Hey, am I helping you or not? You know, um, <laughs> And if they're like, no, Dars, you're actually making it worse, then obviously you're not uh, doing, doing uh, anybody any good. I think um, so you can certainly go look for things when we set out goals, like trying to be as objective as possible. Like, you know, we were here and now we're at X plus one or X plus two or, um, and so trying to set out measurable things, if it was, you know, at, at Rome, for instance, with the renovations, it's like redoing the gym, creating a recovery area, you know, so it's like tangible things that we could mark off that people were happy and satisfied with um, that made, you know, the betterment of the, of the program. So um, I think definitely you can measure them. Um, you got to kind of, you know, look and see how are we going to measure them. And, you know, one of the things that we did at Rome with the players is actually ask for their feedback. And so as part of the job reviews, um, you know, we had the players judge how we were doing um, because one of the things was really trying, when we first got there, a lot of the guys were going out of network for therapy or training and things of that nature, because I don't think they trusted the system. 
And so one of the goals was to keep everybody in network. And so, um, and we were able to achieve that where guys didn't feel like they had to go out and network to, you know, different therapy or different training or things like that. And if they did, um, you know, we would try and say, hey, what are you doing and who are you doing it with? You know, can you bring them in? We do an education course so we can understand what it is that's so good of, you know, what, what you're, you're going through with this person. So um, it's just, you know, it kind of comes back to being transparent, humble, and in, in not being able to know everything and uh, willing to keep, keep kind of learning for the greater good of, you know, who you're there to serve. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and talking about learning, kind of under our final section here, at this point in your career, uh, you, you've been a lot of places, you've done a lot, and you've seen a lot, but I'm sure there's still areas that you can grow. Can, can you pinpoint one or two specific areas, maybe professionally, maybe personally, that you still have a lot of room for, that you're just being more deliberate in trying to continue moving forward in? Yeah, um, I would say one area is empathy. Um, trying to appreciate why people make choices they make, um, decisions they make. So thinking about, you know, heuristics, biases, cognitive dissonance, justification, why, you know, those psychological pieces happen. Because I feel like communication is the, the limiting factor um, to, to that kind of success and, and the inability to communicate effectively. Um, and I think a lot of that, how we make decisions, um, why we believe what we believe, all those pieces are, are critical. So it's a topic that I'm, I'm very interested in. Um, you know, I think I never, uh, never got my PhD. So that's one area where I've always kind of wanted to dig into hard research um, and, and better learn that whole process on the applied side and how you take Kind of this research chunk and put it into a more um, applied setting and, and make it usable. Um, gosh, there's always there's always things to to learn. Technology, you know, I feel like you know you can never never be good enough in technology. But between R and coding and mm. Python and all that jazz, um, I think I've at some point kind of said, okay, maybe that's not my, my space. And, and I just need to let that go by the wayside, but we'll, we'll see. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of places I can, I can keep moving. Mm-hmm. Well, if I went back to people that worked with you at Roma or with the German national team or with the men's national team, whenever you, the U S men's national team, whenever you move on from that role, what would you hope that they would say if I brought your name up? You know, if I um, Darcy. Yeah. Um, worked hard. Um, was always in a good mood. Um, gosh, got stuff done. So made made our program better. Um, those would probably be the 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 big ones. I remember. Yeah, just a positive contributor. I think I remember you telling me that didn't didn't they at Roma call you like the smiling American or something, uh, or high five and white guy or yeah, yeah it was <laughs> one of those. Um, I think uh, I tried to just bring the best energy I could every day, so it was always like big hellos, high fives, um, 
you know, just trying to bring a positive energy because I think the day-to-day grind of a soccer club, as you know, can be very daunting, especially when there's pressure on performing and, and, you know, performing at a high level every day. And so, you know, I think the other thing is nobody can give you a crap about being in a good mood, right? Like, and so, um, yeah, it was just trying to bring good energy every day to try and lift everyone up. And sometimes guys gave me crap for it. They're like, God, don't you have like just one day you can just not be in a good mood? Um, and sometimes I was like, I wasn't in a good mood. I was just trying to be in a good mood just to keep the, keep the party going. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things you just got to bring, bring the energy every day. Cause it's, uh, you know, probably like the negative self-talk in our heads, there's more than that than there is positive. And if you can, you know, kind of keep it moving and keep that energy going, it just uh, keeps the, the needle moving forward for everybody. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think at this point in your career that you found what your passion is? Are you, are you currently in it or are you still searching for it? Do you know? You know what? I think for me, I, I want to be working with people that are trying to move the needle. And I think that's where, you know, at Kitman, I'm super stoked with all our staff there and what everyone's trying to do um, to kind of move the whole industry um, in that area um, because it's a it's an area that I was trying to improve upon when I was at Rome and struggled with with the current technologies that were out there. And once I ran into Stephen Smith, um, you know, was really impressed with how he was operating, what he was trying to do. And then, you know, now with guys like Martin Bushite and, you know, uh, uh, Andy Shelton and Brian and, and just all these guys, um, it's just a good group of people trying to move the needle and move the industry. And then, you know, same thing with the national team. You got some amazing operators, um, you know, with Greg as the head coach, Steve Tastian um, as our head of performance, who's super detail oriented. Um, always pushing Jordan, who's a phenomenal sports science slash strength coach, um, as well as just a, a all around good dude, you know, Ron, Kenny, just the whole team. It's, it's phenomenal. And I think it's, my passion is more around working with passionate people um, that are better than me. So I'm just like guilty of uh, uh, guilty by association. I'm just going to get better by hanging out with them. Um, and so you know, I'm really looking forward to what we're able to achieve on both sides, both with Kitman and, and the U.S. men's national team. I'm super stoked for, you know, how we're going about it um, and, the, you know, the level of, of, of the players, the commitment everybody's making from the staff to the playing group. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's some exciting times to come. Well, that's excellent. Well, this next question, you were actually quoted by one of my previous guests. Um, I asked Joey Hardy what some of the best advice he's ever been given, and he mentioned that you told him to be a like a football historian at all times. Yes. Um, so let's turn it back around on you. Has there ever been any advice given to you that you've kind of always kept with you, maybe just as you're growing up or in while you're professional, whatever it might be? Yeah, um, man, probably one of my biggest mentors was Mark Verstegen or is, and, you know, his thing, and this was kind of, I, I mentioned earlier, is a happy, happy wife is a happy life. And, and it's kind of a, a play on words, obviously, but it's really, um, it's if your family's happy, then everything's going to be happy. And so um, it was really about trying to find that balance of, you know, the professional life with the personal life and making sure 
that that balance was there. And, um, and, you know, I think that that is a, a key to this because, you know, it's not easy to be able to kind of go live in the countries we've lived and, and, um, you know, the jobs that I've had and the time commitment that they've taken, um, you know, having a supportive family is critical to, uh, to all that working. And so, you know, big thanks goes out to, to my wife, Inger, and, and our kids who have kind of supported me through all that. And, and do you think you've, you found a good balance at this point in your career? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I do. We live up in Lake Tahoe, California in the mountains. So I, uh, that's kind of where my happy spot is, is, is out in nature, mountain biking, trail running and things like that. So, um, you know, to be able to live here, go be with the team, phenomenal athletes, travel around the world, come back, recharge, um, you know, fill my technology side with Kitman uh, and everything that's going on there. So yeah, I feel like I got a really, really good balance. I could probably, if you ask my wife, she could, she would say I probably need to work less, but um, at the end of the day, it is what it is. I, I love what I do. So um, definitely take more time for the family and kids though. Good. Well, last question and my favorite part, this is, this is your chance, Darcy, to to raise someone up or somebody's up about people in your life and your career that you feel like have demonstrated how to do things the right way or shown you how to treat people, whatever it might be, just people that come to mind that you think uh, that person was special to in who I am today. Oof, it's hard to uh, single out any one person. I feel like I've had uh, the ability to meet and um, be influenced by a bunch of folks. So, you know, everybody from the Exos family where I kind of got the party started with Mark and Craig and all those guys, uh, Shad, I mean, all phenomenal people. Um, same with the Kitman folks with Steven and, and, and that crew. Um, you know, I think it's been an absolute blessing with, to be with these guys at the national team um, like I said, Greg is a phenomenal coach, probably the best coach I've ever worked with. Um, his attention to detail, um, communication, um, planning, just empathizing, understanding is, is, is phenomenal. And, and I think, you know, Steve also and Jordan, they just got super high emotional intelligence. And it's been the conversations uh, that we get to have have been outstanding. So I can't say there's 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 one more, uh, more many that uh, have had a massive, massive influence on me. Well, I guess to, to follow up on it, is there, you kind of alluded to it, is there a common, so you're not going to name individuals throughout, the, throughout your career, but is there a common thread or two that kind of runs through all of them? Yeah, I mean, it's just great people, right? Like, um, I don't know if that's kind of answering the question. No. It, it's just, I think, you know, being around people that are always trying to push the envelope, make things better, but also empathizing with where things are at at any given time and, and having that kind of high emotional intelligence. Um, yeah, I've been super fortunate to, to get to hang out with a bunch of cool people. So, um, and they've all, you know, from living in Germany and the different cultural pieces that that come there to Italy and, and the the you know the passion for life that they have um, yeah there's just 
there's just so many intersections that happen that are uh, that have kind of formed who I am today. Is it's hard to pin it down to one thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Darcy, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I, I love that you could share your experiences and um, your story with with people and kind of giving some insight into what you feel makes people successful, especially within your role. So thanks for your time. And uh, obviously everybody in the United States, I think is, is rooting for you and, and the team to, to be successful this next year or two. Yeah, I can't wait. We got, uh, you know, Nations League, I think is, I'm, I'm super fired up for that and Gold Cup. And we just kind of keep trying to, you know, get better every day. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited as well. And then World Cup qualifying and yeah, you never know, sky's the limit. So we'll see the, uh, there's some good things. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Thanks again, Darcy. All right. All the best. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. I really do hope this podcast was able to help you in any way, even if small. If you really enjoyed it, please share with anybody, family, friends, throw it on one of your social media streams. Uh, It always helps to spread the word. Thanks again. Thank you.